Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Silicon Valley's hottest startup, I'm talking about OpenAI, recently hit a milestone. In December, the company surpassed $2 billion in annualized revenue, which means that if OpenAI earned as much money each month as it did in December, $2 billion is what it would make over the course of a year. Now, this is a big deal for a company as young as OpenAI. The FT broke this news earlier this month, and George Hammond was one of the reporters on the story. OpenAI are on this incredibly steep curve of growth, So they are talking about potentially doubling or or more than doubling that revenue number over the next 12 months. So it's an incredible rate of growth that they're going at. A huge part of that lightning speed success is ChatGPT, the AI chatbot that OpenAI launched a little more than a year ago. $2 billion in revenue puts OpenAI amongst the most successful companies ever to come out of Silicon Valley. I mean, the likes of Google, Apple... Now, businesses want to use OpenAI's generative AI technology to make their workplaces more efficient. But the CEO, Sam Altman, says that he has much bigger goals. I think there is no end to OpenAI's ambition. Sam Altman in particular is looking to solve this problem of superintelligence. He's looking to set up his own semiconductor manufacturing pipeline. He's trying to lengthen human lifespan. The guy is extremely ambitious, his company is extremely ambitious, and that is part of their sell. But accomplishing things like creating super intelligence, well, that's going to cost you. I think that's the main tension for OpenAI. They have what is a very grand mission at the center of their business, which is going to cost them a huge amount of money to pursue. And it could be that the pursuit of that mission is at the expense of them just creating, you know, quite neat but less ambitious tools for enterprises. There is a question for them about which track they want to pursue. There's a question for investors about which track is likely to be more profitable. And it's going to be an interesting tension to watch play out for OpenAI as they get increasingly sophisticated and they require increasing amounts of money. from the Financial Times. Today on Behind the Money, OpenAI is one of the fastest growing companies ever. But can the business model it has now sustain its massive long-term goals? I'm talking with venture capital correspondent George Hammond and the FT's AI editor, Madhumita Mergia, about the challenges that lie ahead. Maju, George, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. 
So hearing all these crazy growth figures, I mean, some people might forget that OpenAI got its start as not a commercial endeavor, but actually as a nonprofit. Tell me more about that. So OpenAI is founded in 2015 by this very talented group of young researchers and engineers and venture capitalists, including Sam Altman. And it starts as a nonprofit research lab with this very grand mission to create artificial general intelligence that benefits all of humanity. So they want this to be a very pure, focused research effort. Mm. And just to clarify, what exactly are we talking about here when we say artificial general intelligence benefiting all of humanity? AGI, or artificial general intelligence, has become this vague, amorphous term for something that's super intelligent or or more intelligent than humans. Um, But really, the way that those in the industry kind of describe it, what they're aiming for is a set of um, software, computer software, that can make generalized decisions and understand data in a way similar to humans. So yeah, the kind of goal when they were founded, it was born from a fear of, you know, super intelligent AI that could be turned rogue and do bad things. And they kind of funded this company as a non-profit to make sure that beneficial AI was created with guardrails in place and risks could be managed. Wow. So it went from non-profit research lab to a commercial venture. What happened? They quite quickly realized that it's going to be a prodigiously expensive task to develop increasingly intelligent artificial intelligence and to remain ahead of the competition. It's very demanding in terms of the amount of computing power you need, and there are other resources they need to go out and buy. So they switched to a for-profit or a capped profit model in 2019, And that basically allows them to start raising capital from more traditional investors who take a stake in the company on the basis that they will get a portion of the company's profits. Right. And one of their biggest investors becomes Microsoft, which goes and puts about $13 billion into the company. So what's OpenAI's business model today? I mean, of course, no AGI yet. And they're banking on these enterprise customers to lift their revenues in the coming year. But more specifically, what are they selling? So really when they think they became a revenue generating company is really post ChatGPT, which launched in November 2022. Um, Since then, they've sold premium access to ChatGPT. So this is like a freemium model where you can use it for free up to a certain point or you can pay to have a premium version that has extra features where you can use it more frequently, etc. Right. And of course, the uptake of ChatGPT has just been totally remarkable. Now, those ChatGPT users are made up of the free users in addition to paying consumer and enterprise accounts. But how else is the company generating revenue? They also sell underlying access to the model that powers the chatbot, which is called GPT-4. And this is for companies who have software developers that can just directly plug into the model and build whatever they want on top of it. So you could have a management consulting firm or a bank who wants to build their own very specific product, you know, looking through their past reports or interviews in order to generate uh, new sort of solutions to specific business problems. So it's very tailor-made for them rather than a more generic chat GPT. So to recap, the main areas that OpenAI is generating revenue from include both ChatGPT and the model that underlies ChatGPT that's known as GPT-4. 
But the company isn't profitable. In fact, it's far from it. And that's because it has these huge operational and research and development costs. The first is continuing to develop the generative AI technology that underpins its chatbots. That's like GPT-4 that Madhu mentioned. At the moment, they're developing the next version, GPT-5. And doing that is expensive. It requires a, a huge amount of computing power to train these models, the chat GPT models. And it requires slightly less, but still a considerable amount of computing power for them to do inferencing, which is basically to service requests that are run through them. And that costs a lot of money. It's it's what the Microsoft partnership with OpenAI is all about, is providing some of that computing power. And then there's the second thing that's even bigger and even more costly. It's this goal that harkens back to the reason that OpenAI says it was founded in the first place. And that's to develop artificial general intelligence, or AGI. Pursuing this could cost billions, if not trillions of dollars more. But this also puts OpenAI at a crossroads. There is this very grand goal that OpenAI has to create artificial general intelligence. And that is partly what's given us such sophisticated tools. And for consumers, that's that's great. For an enterprise, it's a little bit more complicated. And this is kind of the central tension for OpenAI. They want to create super intelligent tools. And it might be that the companies they're selling into just want a bit of software that basically furthers their their bottom line. And in the words of, of one investor who we spoke to, you know, he was like, not everyone needs a Ferrari. These enterprises don't care about an all-knowing, all-seeing entity. They care about making money from this tool. After the break, we're looking at the pressures that OpenAI faces and if they can be overcome in the long term. Do you ever wonder what exactly was off about Ridley Scott's Napoleon? Or why Dolly Parton's new rock album is impossible to dislike? I want to tell you about a new culture podcast from the Financial Times called Life and Art from FT Weekend, hosted by me, Lila Raptopoulos. On Monday, I interview a guest about life and how to live a good one. And Friday is a chat show about art. Two FT journalists and I dig into a new release. Join us by searching for Life and Art wherever you listen. So OpenAI is at this crossroads. Madhu tells me she interviewed a professor named Ethan Mollick from the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School, who told her as much, too. And his point was, there's this kind of tension where, you know, they could easily build a profitable business, stop putting so much money into R&D and just improve their primary product and kind of make loads of money from it. Or they could continue to, you know, aim for creating this super intelligent or AGI system for which they're going to need billions, you know, if not trillion dollars. And so that's kind of the evolution that the company is undergoing. For what it's worth, Madhu also tells me she's skeptical about how much creating AGI is really a part of OpenAI's goals anymore. For me, it's not quite clear whether the AGI thing is a little bit of like marketing speak or, you know, how they want their company to be perceived. Sam still talks a lot about wanting to do that. But everything they're doing in reality doesn't really support that they're just focused on creating sort of some beneficial super intelligence. They clearly do care about building a commercial, you know, set of products, making money, just like, you know, any other sort of Silicon Valley tech company. 
Still, whether it's for AGI or continuing to develop their GPT models, the company has to figure out a way to keep funding itself. So what's getting in the way of that? First, George tells me that in his Amadi's reporting, they've talked to some executives who've started using OpenAI's tools in their businesses, and some have been really enthusiastic. Some have found very obvious applications for it, and one person we spoke to was Do Not Pay founder Josh Browder. His company provides online legal services using a chatbot. That chatbot is built with the help of OpenAI's tools. It uses the conversational abilities of ChatGPT to go and communicate with his customers. It's very, very central to his business, and he says those tools have been transformative. But that hasn't been the experience across the board yet. From our reporting, it was pretty clear that businesses are still figuring out how to use this technology. There is this figure that has been trotted out that OpenAI's tools are used by more than 90% of Fortune 500 companies. But from our reporting, it would appear that Often the use case is fairly peripheral to the business and it may become more central. But at the moment, there are a lot of chief executives who are, who are kind of trying this before really, really committing to it in use across the organization. Madhu says that it's important that OpenAI does figure this out, though. So they have to hope that people do figure out why this is so useful and that businesses do see a significant impact on their bottom line or new business models or new products that they can build on top of these models. And I think they're going to have to bet on the fact that it's not just them selling these products. They have to create a wide ecosystem, a sort of whole industry around this. The people who build on their products should make money as well. And only then will this kind of start to pay for itself. So businesses are using OpenAI, but they don't see it as vital to their operations yet, which is a problem. Another challenge that OpenAI is facing is related to raising funding from investors. As the company angles for many more millions and billions in funding, the usual pool of investors for tech startups is dwindling. OpenAI, so they have this partnership with with Microsoft, that's their cornerstone investor. Then there's the question of how much more does Microsoft want to plow into OpenAI, either in terms of cash or computing power, but that will be central to its ability to develop its next generation of tools. But they've really run through traditional venture funding unbelievably quickly because venture investors take bets on early stage companies where they might make a return, if all goes well, of 10 to 100 times their capital invested. Very hard to make 10 to 100 times your capital invested on a company that's worth almost 100 billion. You need an enormous outcome for that to be the case. And so traditional venture investors are priced out of this, by and large. Mm. I mean, George, couldn't another fundraising option be for OpenAI to try and go to the public markets? That's a tough one. So um, OpenAI could go public, but this is a company that is not making a profit, and that might be a challenge to any attempt to go public. At the moment, as a private company, If it wants to fundraise, it has to disclose various financial details, but it can operate with a degree of secrecy, which might be quite helpful. And if it can continue to tap resources from Microsoft and others, then I suspect it will stay private. But yeah, going public is is an option at some point. Mm, Yeah. So what's OpenAI doing instead in the meantime? So OpenAI is having to look up the chain at wealthier and wealthier investors. And this is really kind of state level actors at this point, sovereign wealth funds in 
the Middle East or the Far East. And there's really a vanishingly few number of investors who can make a, a serious contribution to OpenAI. Mm. Now, the other risk to all this, of course, is that OpenAI isn't operating in a vacuum here. Uh, so what's the competitive landscape looking like? So if OpenAI can't cut its costs and raise the money required to train its new models, then obviously it risks losing ground to its rivals. And those are some startups. So Anthropic is the biggest of those, but also the, the big tech companies, including Microsoft, which is developing its own suites of tools, and obviously Google, which is trying very hard to catch up. So what do you think you'll be watching for as this story continues to play out? So I think it really depends on what happens over the next two years in how AI is implemented outside of OpenAI in the rest of the economy. And yeah, maybe they will, you know, have a period where they run out of money briefly or, you know, they show such value with their next model that people continue to believe and back this. So I think this is a key year for them. Well, thank you both for being here. No, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, we're still collecting submissions of questions you have about markets, finance, or economics. If you send in a question, we might answer it on a joint show we'll be putting together with the FT's Markets podcast, Unhedged. There's details on how to submit a question in our show notes. Behind the Money is hosted by me, Michaela Tendera. Safia Ethmed is our producer. Topher Forges and Manuela Saragosa are our executive producers. Sound design and mixing by Breen Turner. Special thanks to Mark Filipino. Cheryl Brumley is the global head of audio. See you next week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.